Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Thank you for joining the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I'm honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Now, today we have a very special guest, Anne-Marie Uderink, Principal at 210 Analytics, LLC. Anne-Marie and I talk a little bit about impulse purchases, has sampling gone away for good, opportunities and meal inspirations that could drive consumer sales, and tips on items that give more store visibility. We also chat a little bit about how we indirectly met at the SEPC back in February of 2020. We've gone through May, we've gone through April of the COVID-19 crisis, and we have tons of opportunities to bring you along with supply updates on what is happening in the produce and supply chain industry. So without further ado, let's get Anne-Marie on the line to chat a little bit more about the produce and supply chain industry. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks for coming on the line today. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So first, we have to talk about your name because I was in the intro working on this and I asked you to give me a little bit of a how do you pronounce your name and you laughed and said, you Americans. And so <laughs> am I saying it right? Is it Ulrink? Is that oh, how- not that. Not that. I'm impressed. Oh. So yeah, Sinhalik, we roll our R's and O-E is an O sound. So Ulrink. Not bad. It is. It was tough for me, but as I always say, culture is number one things in relationships, and I always try to embrace as much culture as I can with others. So I appreciate you kind of sticking by me and helping me through that. But I did learn something new today from Holland and the Netherlands. I appreciate that. Yeah, there you go. And uh, culture is hugely important in produce too. So uh, good point. Well, I talk about that on a lot of my other shows with Trent Bishop, with Scott Daniel. Uh, we talk about relationships and relationships are key within the produce and supply chain industry. And I always think it's funny because we're all competitors, right? But we're all colleagues because we all try to say to this, sell to the same stores, sell to the same wholesalers. And we all create these bids that all compete against each other. But then when we win, we all figure out how to help each other, you know, compete and move those bids around. So relationships are everything within our industry. And that kind of goes on how we met. We didn't specifically meet in person. I saw you speak at Southern Exposure in Tampa, and we just found out we live only about 45 minutes or an hour away from each That's other right. now from right. Tampa to Lakeland. But um, I saw you speak on the power of produce, and I told you it was very, I would say, revolutionary for me because as my company, we normally would go to these shows and just go to the sales calls, go to the bars, go to the dinners. And we thought to do something different this year. We didn't want to go to the golf courses and do all these um, social things as COVID was just approaching us, right? So I went to the power of produce and I was wowed. You talked about, I mean, impulse purchases that we're going to talk a little bit about today. We're also talking about sampling, right? Is sampling gone forever? Is it here? You talked about a lot of key things that really I was like, wow, this is more important than trying to chase a PO at this point. This strategy will help you be on the PO. So So that's great to hear. But 
You know, I think uh, the power of produce has become as popular um, with FMI and SCPC and everybody that, uh, that works on it because at the end of the day, our success depends on what the consumer does. And the power of produce, uh, which is an FMI publication, it really looks at our world through the eye of the consumer. So it allows us to see not just what is happening, but why it's happening. And, and certainly in the midst of the pandemic right now, um, the why is, is equally as important as always as important um, than understanding exactly what is happening. For sure. So how is your business doing during the COVID-19 pandemic? We've been a month, 30 days plus of, of social distancing. How are you doing? Well, you know, I've always worked from home, um, so nothing new there, but I will say it's quite different to have others work from home as well. I've never had as many requests for virtual coffee breaks and happy hours and Zoom calls and, uh, you know, the, the whole fun of getting Zoom to work. Uh, but no, it's, it's been uh, a blast. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm a big research geek and uh, looking at the sales numbers every week, not just for produce, but for the entire perimeter for meat. Um, doing some consumer research to try and understand what is happening, why it's happening. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing that is happening um, a, across the entire country, but at the same time as a grocery industry, it's, it's been also fascinating to see how people are going back to dinner at home and how that has impacted produce and other departments. I agree. I, th I mean, even myself, I mean, I've been, I've been eating out. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I've been going to the Chick-fil-A drive-thrus. I've been going to certain places, Tijuana flat, yep. just because I always look at supporting our local community as well. So when we're driving or I'm going between towns and I see the support your local signs, of course, I'm going to, I call my wife and I'm like, Hey, you want to eat out tonight? Let's all go pick up food. So of course we do that, but I do agree. I mean, uh, I don't support anybody. We, we have no sponsorships on the show. So I always open to talk about it, but the little potato company, I have bought so many potatoes in the last month. I reached out to them and it's like, I have bought so many bags of you guys. I just want to let you know. And it's true. We, we've been using them for different things. We've been dicing them up, using them in pans, using them in, in scrambles in the morning, right? Instead of yeah. the frozen potatoes, we've been cutting up fresh potatoes, you know, things we- You have the time, right? Versus exactly. the normal scrambling to get out the door. We don't have to be out of the door by 5, 30, 6 o'clock to get the kids out to school and everything and up yeah. and ready. So it is. It's a little bit different. You're, we're enjoying cooking. So Well, and at night too, I'm finding that normally I pick up the kids around 5 o'clock at night. Then there's 5.30 gymnastics, 6 o'clock soccer. So there's eternally the scramble to get dinner done. And that's just gone. And I think that's the case for a lot of consumers. So all of a sudden we're seeing them. Uh, buy items that require some significant uh, cooking knowledge. So recipe ideas are through the roof, whether it's Pinterest or recipe.com, or even like some of the websites, like let's just say the beef or pork websites, people are trying to figure out how to get stuff done. And I think that's a giant opportunity for the produce industry. I do too, because we were talking about that earlier. We were talking about recipes and we're talking about different channels and how to get this. I will tell you, and you said it too, YouTube is through the roof right now. If you've got like a cooking show right now, you, your numbers are growing, growing, growing because everybody's going, let's try something new right now. Why not? Right. Well, you know, typically no human wants to eat the same thing again and again and again. So typically you either have the ability to create variety in your own kitchen, or if we wanted to eat something different, we ended up eating out. Well, in a lot of cases, eating out isn't as easy because it's takeout only. 
Um, so now we got to create variety in our own way. And that's why people are just starting to search every which way for a new recipe. And I think there's some interesting changes there too over the last couple of years. Uh, one is all those new appliances. I don't know if you own uh, an, an Instant Pot or an air fryer, but you know, in the past we often saw people search for recipes by meal type. So I'm looking for dinner or I'm looking for a, a specific meal that they were looking for. Now they're looking at an appliance backwards. They're looking for, hey, I want to make something with uh, avocado, um, you know, or, or uh, there's the whole recipe websites on backing into a restaurant meal that they've had and want to copy into. So many different ways. And I think that's a giant opportunity for any fruit, any vegetable um, right now. Yeah, there's a lot of tips out there too on, on, I would say on the website, but I'm saying all over every website, YouTube, on different tips on what to cook. Even myself, I mean, like I was saying, my wife and I have tried so many new things. We've kind of started like doing scrambles every morning now. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's completely changed our lifestyle. And I always tell her, now I've worked from home too. So I've always woke up early. Hey, do you want an omelet? Do you want this? But it was the very simple, like you said, it was that simple over easy egg, a piece of toast. It wasn't bacon every morning. It wasn't the potatoes. So I, I think that's going to be a huge change for people. And I think it's, it's good for our industry because we're starting to see purchases and people are starting to uh, really go outside their comfort zone, right? Think about things right. a little bit differently. Yeah. And that's a, a giant step forward. We always knew that knowledge was a big barrier to buying something different in the produce department. Habit is like the biggest obstacle for us to grow sales. Um, so we were looking at recipes and sampling and all these different ways to get people to try something new. Um, and I think that has just completely changed. If you think about it over the last two months, uh, we knew that eye-catching displays was a huge way to drive impulse through the power produce. We knew sampling was can we still do those things? I don't know. The question I get most, I will tell you, is are the salad bars in retail uh, ever going to open back up? I don't know. What do you think? That's a good, I didn't even think about that until just now. So you're right. You go into a, a pizza restaurant and they've got the salad bar. I didn't even think about that. How many people touch that? So you're right. It's, I would say it's probably going to go away for right now because myself, I, I wouldn't. I would want a freshly made salad or a salad kit or something where no one has touched it. Right. That's yeah, that whole idea of touching is, uh, is very different. So if you think about the salad bar, the number of people that have grabbed that bottle of dressing that have touched the spoon, um, it's not necessarily even the breathing or coughing on it because there is the, the guards typically, but um, apparently there's a lot of hesitation among consumers to touch anything that somebody else has touched. So bulk in terms of candy and, and nuts and all of that is most stores they have just closed it. So yeah, it's a very different world in terms of the whole retail environment and how, what can we do to continue to drive yeah. impulse, which is so important for our category. I agree because you're right. I was in Sprouts the other day and I was going to buy my 14 different types of citrus from Sprouts. Thank you, Sprouts, because that was a fun, <laughs> a fun uh, citrus taste test that I did. Um, but you're right. I was in there and my son says to me, he goes, Dad, why is everything in bags? And I turned around and I said, COVID. I said, Think about it, Ty. And he said, what? I go, when you would, would you try to stick your hand in there? And he goes, oh yeah. I go, if everybody did that, and he goes, we'd have COVID. Like you should have seen, like the light bulb went off in his head. Like he was just like, oh my gosh, you're right. So now they've got all these pre-packaged bags everywhere, your nuts, your, your gummy bears, your, your dried fruit, everything like that. 
And I didn't think about that really, even the salad bars, but I think that is going to be huge because again, go to then Publix or go to Whole Foods who have their salad bars and their big yeah. areas, even Wawa, right? I was in Wawa the other day. All of that's closed right now. And you know, for yes. a fact, that is a huge part of their business. It is. And I think some retailers have been really good about um, changing what was in those salad bars or olive bars is another one and making it available in prepackaged options. Because it really goes two ways. I think it is the idea of somebody else has touched it, but it's also a lot of people want to speed up that shopping trip. So they don't want to be in store putting their meals together, putting their salads together and grabbing the olives. So it's, it's really speed as well as the perceived safety. Um, so yeah, different world, isn't it? Since we know each other at SCPC. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Crazy from when at SCPC, we were still in groups doing the casino tables in the middle of it. They talked about social distancing, but everybody just had a little bottle of hand sanitizer for it. So it's completely different, but is there a new norm coming or are people going to get back to reality? Because that's what I'm really wondering here is that when we get back to reality and all these people that are having struggles working from home and want to get back in the office and want to get back to that, as I call it, the daily grind, right? The new busy I call is lazy. Anne-Marie, I I say that all the time. If If you're always busy, I say you're lazy because that means you're not, you're not, doing your schedules and priorities right so but is is that going to happen I mean are we going to get back I mean we've talked about the sampling being gone is that ever going to come back because people would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at these club stores to set up to do sampling that I mean how are we going to visualize or see or taste or look at new things I mean social media marketing what are we going to do yeah I agree I mean we're we're going to have to realize that things have changed and will stay changed for a while and that is how people are shopping how they're engaging with the store how they're engaging with produce for fruit we always knew that those eye-catching displays were extremely important well now people are rushing through they're actually starting to like packaging which used to be a big no-no or had become a big no-no now people are saying well can you just put uh, a number of items in a bag like for instance in bakery um, instead of grab your own donuts in those little cases that Publix right. will have, um, they're saying, you know what, can you put two or three, not too many, because I'm not having a party here, but this is for my everyday consumption. Can you put a few in packages already? Um, so I think for every single thing that we used to do in merchandising, we have to overlay that with the new reality. And that is, you know, an eye-catching displays. Do we still build the displays, but also let's just say Cinco de Mayo, right? Are we still going to have those avocados and tomatoes, et cetera, displays, but also have it to where there is a little kit that people can grab very quickly to make their, their guac or their items. Um, sampling, to your point, I sincerely doubt we're going to see that anytime soon. Uh, price promotions is another one where the industry is just not quite sure what to do. Um, first of all, it's very hard to look at what are we going to have in enough supply over the next couple of weeks? But we do know that price has always been extremely important in produce. So what can we do there to still capture people's eye, but within the new reality, we know a lot more people are shopping online. We know people are rushing through the store. We know produce used to have a very high trip frequency. Well, that's dropping. So how can we drive all those old fundamentals within produce, but in a new reality? And I think that's the big conversation to have more so than where is that new baseline going to lie? Um, 
I don't know about you, but us here in Florida, we had some early cases, but if we compare Florida to New York that was hardest hit, to California that is still not opening back up, to Texas that has gone pretty far in opening back up, you know, those just four giant consumer markets are very different. So I think there is no one new normal. I think it's a regional new normal. I 100% agree. I mean, I could probably elaborate that for hours because I agree. I got people that I talked to in Chicago where they're like, we're, we're stuck till May 30th. And I think it's crazy that other places are opening. I mean, I've got friends that went to the beach. I mean, they're going to the beach. I mean, I went kayaking the other day, but that was, I was by myself. I mean, I was literally by myself, but you've got so many people that are, are they're going to get out. They're going to start doing the normal things again, but is it going to be cost efficient? I mean, I always say this, to run a processing plant or to run a warehouse at full capacity, it's millions of dollars, right? And right. the same thing with an NBA um, court or the arenas, you can't bring in and social distance and put everybody six feet and expect to make the same amount of money. Exactly. There, there's going to be huge declines. So I do agree. One thing that I've seen within the citrus uh, category is, geez, I don't know what company it is, but they have like the little six pack of, of oranges and they yep. have their heirloom brand. And I always thought that was a great idea no matter what. I go, man, I go, that just shows off that you're putting more packaging and care for this special product, right? And it was always a marketing, yep. uh, it's marketing, right? But yeah, now yeah. it's like in China, and you're from Holland, you, you know a little bit about this. I mean, I've studied in China. I lived over in China, got my degrees in China, and they package everything like that. Yeah. Everything is packaged over there. It's got cellophane wrap on it. I think it's got styrofoam. We won't get into that. Um, but it's always packaged like that. Even their cut fruit. It's not in the plastic tins. It's in the styrofoam. It's in the cellophane. So it's really interesting that are we going to switch to that? Because we are just so used to going in and being able to touch whatever we want. We see like the yeah. cilantro. We see the lettuce. Smell, we, right. Yeah. Listen, my co-author of Millennial Boom, Hans Fenzel, tells me, listen, get over yourself. Sooner or later, you do not want someone touching all your stuff. We're yeah. putting too much hands in the supply chain. And it, listen, I get it. But as we start to change and you look at the generations, as we talked off mic about the new generational spending and where that's going, yeah. you have yeah. a lot of different, they're adults now. Millennials are between the ages of 20 and 40, right? But they're adults now, yeah. have kids, have lives. They're making these consumer purchases. Are we going to switch to that? Because I see a lot of millennials that like that type of stuff. They like the packaging, like you were saying earlier. They like yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. All the packaging research I've done, um, it's really the boomers that want that bulk and being able to look and squeeze and smell and pick exactly what they think is, is the perfect item for them. And that's actually the biggest reason why they never wanted to shop online, because they wanted that selection control. Millennials, they're all for, um, you know, you just, I trust you as a produce department. I trust you as a brand. So whether I pick that avocado or I pick that mango or you do it, I trust you. And, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about it anyway. So that all works out. Relative to packaging, yes, I think we're going to see a huge change. So there was a lot of uh, pushback on packaging in terms of the plastic and the styrofoam. Um, but there was always a caveat where people said, you know what, if it's for food safety, I'm okay with that. But I think the food safety idea was never very clear to consumers. They just figured it was in packaging because who knows what. 
Well, now shoppers are starting to realize that, hey, it's really not that bad of an idea to have this in packaging because now I know that people haven't sneezed, touched, et cetera. Um, and I think we're actually going to see a much greater acceptance of packaging. Now, I will say some of the um, developments that I'm seeing in Holland specifically is there's a big move towards a lot of paper and cardboard usage. So if you think about um, the stoplight uh, bell peppers, for instance, I just saw a picture coming by from Deli's Belgium that is now a very nice cardboard sleeve with the three peppers in it. Um, when I was in Holland uh, over the holidays, um, all those four packs of apples and pears, et cetera, they are now in cardboard packaging. And to your point, that provides amazing ability to actually have a lot of marketing on the back. So some of the apple packages that I saw on the side had that little uh, apple variety chart that we often see hanging in the store and had it right there on the pack and it showed the different types of apples with the different applications. And I was like, man, you know, now we've actually uh, moved to something that consumers would feel better about, the, the paper versus plastic. And I know there's a lot of debates on whether sure is. is is better. Uh, but we've also created some huge education tool for, for consumers on top of it. Well, it's brand loyalty. I mean, you're getting people to trust your brand. That's something that, that I did when I was running my company in 2009. I started making branded packaging and I will go against anybody, but I made these little fruit heads before there was cuties, before there was these little orange characters and great. Now you see them everywhere. But I made these back in like 2007 and I made these customized boxes. They didn't go anywhere, okay? Because it was too early for it to happen. People right. were like, we're spending too much money. You're using a white box and putting a blue background on it. That's going to cost $2.32. We don't, and, and then I, but I, what I said was, I go, but value everyone. You're right. not seeing the value. I've had that brand now for 10 years. And the value is still there. The value of that brand people recognize because I did that specialty box. Now, did it go anywhere? Not really, but it created a mindset of going, okay, wait a minute, this can be done. Now, everybody's starting to make these customized produce boxes. But in right. 2007 to 2009, people were like, no, we need real fruit. We don't need these characters to promote. Now we're trying to promote to kids, the Gen Zs, right? Yep, the alpha yep, generations. Yep. And now we're creating packaging. This is all has to do with brand loyalty and creating people, loyal people to follow you. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's yeah. what all the other industries do. Agreed. But I think it also has to do with what we talked about a little bit earlier off camera, which is that whole who spends today versus who spends tomorrow. Because I bet you got a lot of pushback on the packaging saying, yeah, we don't need that. That is all extra costs in the system. People want to be able to pick themselves. Well, to an extent, that's always been true and still true today. Because if you look at $100 spent in produce, 35 of them are still spent by the boomers. As I mentioned earlier, they're not really big in value added, not really big in organic, not really big in brains because they pick what they pick because they have the knowledge. But if you look at gross, so not well, who spends today, but who spends tomorrow, millennials spend 2.4 times the average. So they're growing extremely fast Whereas boomer spending is coming down. If you think about their households are getting smaller, they're starting to eat maybe a little bit less. And so if you think about the who spends tomorrow combined with everything that has happened with COVID, this market is going to change. And brands, to your point, it's not just loyalty, but it's also just to believe in, I trust this brand uh, to do the right thing. Um, and whether 
this person picks it or I pick it. It's the brand that I trust. And going forward, things like organic and value added and branding, if you look at the millennial generation, I think they're going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, 84 million deep, I mean, 72 million baby boomers with over 40% of them already retired and living yep. in retirement communities. You got to remember, baby boomers stretch all the way up to almost 80 years old. Yeah. So a lot of these guys and gals, they're not working anymore. I mean, my dad's very fortunate that he is still working and I think he's going to work till the day he dies. Um, and I think that's just the mentality, right? That's the boomer mentality. That's how they were raised from the builder generation. But I yeah. do agree that this is changing. Your mindset changing. Even how I buy produce, it's, it's crazy. And I'm in the industry and I don't touch everything anymore. I mean, I don't do that kind of stuff. I say, if you got to literally grab a tomato and sit and grab like 15 of them, then you just don't know what you're doing anymore at this point. Like, I hate to say it like that, but you don't. Like, I can literally get in and out of a produce department in five to 10 minutes, like literally. Yeah. So how about avocados? Avocados are my little squeeze item. I hate to say it. I, uh, oh, actually, I did change recently. Somebody told me you can just buy them rock hard and, you know, I'd actually, if I still have it here. I was going to say you could wrap it in foil or. I online order the other day and there was some fantastic um, information from uh, Avocados Mexico and it showed you that I could bag and I, I have the little bag too and put a banana and avocado in the bag and it ripens. So now i don't squeeze anymore i grab the ones that are rock hard and off i go so that's a perfect example though because my buddy brent at brothers produce he did a video on how to ripen your bananas and he goes why not why not show the consumers how to do this because it helps us sell more produce he goes tons of yellow bananas he goes, but I've got these green ones that I need to condition. I got to do all this and spend money on. He goes, but if I teach the consumer, he goes, we can sell more bananas. And I said, dude, you are 100% right. Do that. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, consumers want to be in store less now is what they're telling us. And we're actually seeing trips starting to fall, which that's going to hurt produce more than anything because people buy it so often. So if we can give them tips on items for now and items for later, like this, the, the banana example, the avocado example, where I buy some that are nice and yellow, then I know how to ripen those, those glow in the dark green ones. Fantastic. Now I can actually yeah. make it work. Yeah. It's, it's like a green highlighter, those things are, but it's, but it is true. Those are all things that we are adapting and pivoting to, but there's also been a lot of people that have always done this, right? Yeah. They've always had this nature of doing this. So, we got to look at that. How are we going to change? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to look at, is COVID going to be a new normal? I always say change is inevitable. Change yep. is fast and you cannot run away from it. You, no. you, you can't. So it doesn't matter where you are. So in the industry today, I can tell you that a lot of companies are having issues. A lot of industries are having issues. And one of them I've talked about on another podcast is pineapple. Pineapples are losing almost $7 million a week because one, people didn't realize how large retail was the second part of pineapples. Yeah. Fresh cut was the first part of pineapples and they didn't really understand that until COVID hit when all of a sudden from all your top fresh cut processors are pretty much down right now. Yeah. So it was interesting and that's where people have to adapt and figure out how do we get more pineapples to a consumer? And someone told me the other day, he goes, if you're in produce, this is a perfect time for you to shine 
to get the best possible produce out in the retailers, out on the store shelves. You should have no quality issues and you should be setting up the consumer to have a best flavorful experience. Wouldn't you say? I, I couldn't agree more. I would love to see more produce managers on video, on YouTube, on their website saying, oh, we got these awesome strawberries and, and talk a little bit about why they are the cream of the crop in terms of, of their, their sugar contents, the flavor, how they smell. Uh, like I said, we don't have that in-store experience the way we, we used to, where people are avoiding each other. They're routed through the store a certain way. We're metering people at the entrance. So how can we really uh, translate the passion of the entire produce industry, whether it's the farmer in the strawberry field or it is the, the produce manager um, talking about, you know, this amazing uh, batch of mushrooms or avocados or, or whatever it is coming in and getting that impulse purchase of people buying online. That's what I would love to see. But I agree. There's only one constant in life and that's change. It's changed. Well, let me ask you a real question. Do you talk to the produce managers when you go into the retail stores? Oh, I am terrible. Um, I'm not allowed to shop anymore when we're in a hurry because I'm gone for an hour and a half because I got, I just, I don't just do produce. I do meat, I do bakery. So it takes me an hour and a half to pick up a loaf of bread. So <laughs> yes, I do. I, I, I do. I, I mean, I just talked to Henry the other day at Publix. I mean, I, I look at their name. I talk to them. I always yeah. will grab a piece of citrus and be like, Hey, do you know where this comes from? And they just like, they start looking at me and then all of a sudden like, oh no, I, I sell to, you know, these are some of my citrus in here. And they're like, oh wow. And it is because I do, I like to hear because a lot of times these corporate companies, these line employees are not allowed to, I would say, be a part of our industry. They are, they're frontline workers of our industry, but they're not allowed to join discussion groups and give their feedback as you were saying but they do love to chat about their, their department. If you ever notice, they do. So I do agree. I hope that as we start getting more visibility, we start moving forward more, we can get that visibility from them because I think it would be great to be able to say what the top citrus is, what the top apple is right now. And you actually have your produce manager going, listen, I had 15 people today tell me how good these honey crisp apples are or how good the cotton candy grapes were. That would drive more traffic into your store. Absolutely. I agree. Um, so on the meat side, retailers always tell me if we can get the butcher on camera, let, let's just say Memorial Day, and the butcher is grilling in his backyard and he shows why he picks what he picks and how he prepares it, those types of videos get like five times the engagement of anything else that they do. So it's the passion, it's the knowledge. You know, we think of the pharmacist, right, as, as like that knowledgeable person. Well, the produce department manager, the meat director, they're no different. And yet we don't really translate that knowledge and that passion very well to the consumer. And thinking about our new retail reality, I think it's time to, to do what you do, get on YouTube, start all these different ways to engage. And, you know, that's, that's going to be our new reality. Great opportunities are out there. So if you're listening to today's episode, we've got a lot of good opportunities. We've talked about tips you could uh, give on YouTube channels. We've talked about produce tips to give for, um, I would say, cooking essentials, right? Um, opportunities. There are many opportunities as we haven't even talked about it just because we, we've gone on with a lot of other fun things. But even the new consumer direct programs, there's so many things that are out there right now that beyond this COVID, listen, if you're doing bad, we understand. Better days might come, but if they don't come, you have to create opportunities to make those better days come. This is a new world, right? There's going to be a new norm for a lot of different people. 
So you can't just stay in the same boat and say, oh, well, the same song and dance will get there. You have to create new opportunities. You have to create your own success and look at ways that you've never thought about doing business before, right? So give me an idea. If we, if we want to get a hold of you, Anne-Marie, and someone wants to learn more, because you do tons of analytics for all the industries. And if you don't know Anne-Marie, you can get her, see her on LinkedIn. She's always posting good facts on the produce industry, the meat industry, all different types of industries. But if we want to get a hold of you, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn is absolutely a great way to get a hold of me. And I'm glad you're actually calling this out because I think the more we share as an industry, whether it's meat or produce or just retail tips, we can all learn from each other. Many of us do not compete geographically. Um, so the, the stories that we hear out there, to your point, there's a lot of grower shippers that were going into food service and are suffering right now. What are some ideas that we're seeing in our local market? You and I are in Florida. There's a great story out there about a steakhouse in Fort Lauderdale that is now ordering three times the supplies that they used to uh, with the restaurant closed because they turned their restaurant into a butcher shop and they're, they're selling meat, they're selling produce kits along with the meat and the salmon and the chicken. They've completely reinvented themselves. I would love to hear some of those stories and, and help them spread the word. Um, so yes, find me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been wonderful to be here with you today. Yeah, for sure. I love it. It's great to have you on the line. It took us a little bit to get on the line, but I, again, I told you once we were here, we were able to have a very cool, relaxed conversation. And I think you should come back again and talk more about the power of produce as we keep moving forward, because I think this is something that our industry needs to keep hearing. So as they're on their way and do the packing house, on their way to the corporate headquarters in the next month or two, we want people to understand what's happening in our industry. And again, real talk with real people. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Emery. Well, thanks for having me and I'll absolutely be back. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.